This episode was recorded prior to our name change. We are now officially called The Mike Line Show. Look for us on Apple, Spotify, and everywhere else to subscribe. Yo, what up, what up? For Hypebeast Radio, this is Manny and this is Soundcheck, a show that looks to discover the origin story of your favorite artists and major players in the music industry. We ask the questions that you always wanted to get answered and you never know who may pop by. For the first episode of season two, we talked to Estelle, the London-born R&B superstar who recently released her new album, Lover's Rock. She sits down to discuss the inspiration behind her new project, the R&B scene now, and so much more. Welcome to Soundcheck. So this is the first episode of season two of Soundcheck. I am extremely happy because one of my favorite artists of all time is here. Um, I'm going to let her introduce herself. Hi, I'm Estelle. Hi. All <laughs> <laughs> time? Wow. So what, one of my favorites. I remember, you're, I, I don't know, it was like, I think you were like, like my first visual, I guess, taste of just like artists in London. Wow. Because I had listened to... Uh, just because growing up in an African household, living in like a very Caribbean African environment, yep. I grew up listening to like a lot. I grew up first listening to either soul, it was either soul, African music, or reggae, dance all soca. And so um, when you came over, I was like, yo, this is so cool. It's <laughs> like a fusion. Yeah. Um, and so my, my favorites, I guess my second favorite song of you, but my, I think, which one that I kind of loved the most was um, Come Over. Yeah. That song was <laughs> amazing. Thank you, man. Um, I guess talk about making that with um, Sean Paul oh, yeah. and, um, and, and then crossing over. That was, um, oh, God, everything's so long ago. <laughs> that feels like almost 12 years ago. Shit. Um, that was a very, it was a quick, one of the quick ones. I was in between sessions. Um, well, John was on the road and I was trying to wrap up the album. So I would grab him wherever I could and be like, yo, I have a session over here. Come finish this damn record. And so we're in LA record plant and I had the beat from Super Dupes and it didn't really seem like there was too much, too much on a beat tape. I want to mm. say beat CD, uh, a folder. And he'd sent it over and I was like, there's this one, but I love this beat. And mm. both of us kind of clicked on that beat, wrote it, sang it and and the rest is history. And then he just jumped back on the bus and went on to the next city. I think it was like San Diego or something. And um, that's how quick it came about. Sean Paul, like Kanye on American Boy, was months later. Yeah, we were like, right. yeah, you want to do this? He's like, bet. When? As soon as I can. Nice. <laughs> everyone was busy and everyone was moving around. So the songs were like, I feel like hits, whether they were on it or not. Yeah. You know what I mean? They were like great records, whether the, the you know featured artists were on them or not. So that kind of was my... That was and that's always our intention. Make a record that can stand on its own. Yeah. You know, as you should try to do. Yeah. It's an artist. So Sean Paul was massive around that time too. Mm-hmm. So, and then I just remember this there was like a different energy when I heard that song. Yeah. That song was criminally underrated. Like, <laughs> no, it's not. Trust me. <laughs> people know it, people love it. It's like it's the it's the to the West Indies in Africa, that's my calling card. More yes. than American Boy even. You know? I can like, see that. I yeah. think that's why it was played more around me, because it was just like that was just I don't know, it was like yeah. very basement. Uh, sexy, yeah, it was real good. Exactly that. But um, but definitely American Boy. That's I think that was the song that that's the song that crossed crossed you over. Everybody. Um. So I read. I think it was what was it NPR that you you met 
John Legend and Kanye in the chicken spot? Absolutely. Roscoe is in LA. Nice. Like the one on Gower. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, I was out there with my whole trying to do an album and working on my very first album that came out in the UK and Europe mm-hmm. first. And at the time when they used to do imports, Tower Records was around and shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was like, I was out there just working on my own shit. Like, yo, whatever happens, I'm going to make this go, you know? And so I was out there listening to John on Kanye's first mix CDs. Mm-hmm. And he had a song called um, Used to Love You. Mm-hmm. It was a demo. Yeah. I was like, nah, this guy's voice is crazy. This guy's voice is nuts. I love this guy. Yeah. And I would listen to that song on repeat, and I was with my friend. And I was like, "No, I feel like I feel like something special is gonna happen with this guy. I feel like I just I know I'm gonna work with him." And mm. it just so happened he was. I went to eat at Roscoe's. I was out there recording in LA. Mm. I would spend my own money. I was very independent. I still am, you know, mm. my perspective on stuff. I would spend my own money and go record with who I had to work with and do my stuff. And we went to Roscoe's before we went to studio. And I remember walking down the half a block thinking I had on my Gucci and I was living my life because mm. I was out there young and getting it. <laughs> and I was walking down the street like, is this the whole show? They looking at me walking in my Gucci sandals. Is this I be walking in Gucci sandals on girl? What the hell? Like it was a whole rotation in my soul. And then I was like, I'll go over there. And like Kanye said, and I was just like 30 seconds before I had my headphones in listening to holla, holla, holla. Mm. Like, and then yeah, he's sitting and then I was like, oh shit. Kanye. So I order my food and I walk outside. I was like, please God, if you're there, I need him to walk outside. I need to say something. He literally walks outside 30 seconds later. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Um, and I was like, yo, hey, I'm a big fan of you. Um, I want to meet John Legend. And he was like, you know about him? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I started running off his songs and the features and all the background. And he was like, you come to studio later. <laughs> wow. And then the rest is history. Yeah. You know, I think they were kind of taken by my, the way I was very clear about what I wanted and what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it versus anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know how big that song would be? Did she, was there like another song you was like, this would probably get me over? Or was this like, all right. No, I never think of things like that. Mm. I kind of was like, people like it. I see the reaction. This is going to be something. I didn't know how big. Yeah. I didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know all the fumes and everything that would come with it. But I definitely, uh, I knew it was going to be something. What was life when you were making, was it 14th? Was the was the first album? The 18th. The 18th, day. excuse me. Yeah, sorry. The 18th and life and sh- when you were doing it Shine. It was a very come to Jesus time for me. Mm. I had, between making the 18th day, you know, it's your first child. You put your everything into it to become this overnight scenario. And I just knew there was something more. We had top 10 records and we did our thing with the 18th day, 1980 and Free and Go Gone were all top 20, top 10 records. Mm -hmm. So I was big at home. After all that work, I was pretty much good. Mm -hmm. And I was like, nah, there's something more, you know? And I just was like, this next record, okay, how do we up it? And that's when I started even connecting with John because by the time I'd met him, well, I met John before my very first album, The 18th Day. Mm. And he featured on a song called Hey Girl mm-hmm. on that album. And the album did really well. And meanwhile, while we're out promoting this record, John's out winning Grammys and like touring the UK and selling trillions of records, mm-hmm. right? And he took me on the road with him. And my label didn't know how the hell we managed that. Mm-hmm. The label I was with were like, they damn near ignored it because they were kind of embarrassed that they didn't organize it. Now I look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I came to making Shine, which the record that would eventually become Shine, 
I didn't even have a title for it. I just said, yo, I want to do this album with John. Mm. Like his sensibilities were on the same page. He gets it. He's my friend at the time, you know, like really good friends and that musically it was just like, oh, one and one makes five, one and one makes seven, one and we just, we just, you know, and it sounds odd, yeah. but like, you know, when you find that person that kind of slots in between the things that you're missing musically. Yeah. So I say that in that sense. Um, and we just, it made sense. And the label response was, you want who to produce it? Like, who's that? <laughs> I was like, the, what? You guys go, what? You guys don't know who this person is? Yeah. Like, stop acting. Like, you're out here freestyling because you just want your guys, these trash-ass producers yeah. who didn't want to work with me before these top 20 hits. Now they see some value that we had to go create. Now you want them, these people, because they're your mates. Like, mm. you promised us some shit. Fuck that. Nah, let me go, please. Yeah. You know, and I was verbatim the conversation. Let me go. Mm. And they were like, "Really?" I was like, "Let me go." We did this. Nice. I'm good. We'll do it again. You know. And so, jump ends up being like, "So what happened?" I was like, "I said, to let me go." <laughs> he was like, "What?" I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> so this is this is the part. He was like, "Well, I sign you," and I was like, "Come on, <laughs> you sure?" That's Come so on. crazy. And cut two, three years later, homeschool, shine, everything. Nice. But he got it. He saw me working, and his whole thing was like, "She's gonna be good with or without me. I'm just trying to be on the train. Nice. You know, I'm just trying to work with who I believe in." And I was like, "Bet." What was the UK scene, music scene back then when you were first coming up? Hard as hell. Yeah. The glass ceiling was real. That's thick, perspex filled. It was filled with plastic and grit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they did not want you to see through it, you mm -hmm. know? And I could just see through it. I was like, nah, there's bigger, there's more. People have done it. Um, people have done it for the sheer example that Marsha and, and Natalie were out here living and killing, you know? Um, previous generations had done it before me. I was like, well, why the hell not? You know, the difference with me was that I'd already did it at home first, mm. you know, and then came here and did it. So it was a little bit of a backwards kind of transition per se. Mm. Um, and then I was committed to like making it like a stamp, being a black girl, mm. a real black girl. Hood as hell when I wanted to be, but mm. still knew how to, you know, translate and transcend. And, you know, and then do exact do the music that me and my people liked, yeah. me and my friends rock out to. It was American Boy was based off of me listening to a house CD for about three months straight that my cousin had sent me. Wow. Um, house, house and Garage was huge back in like 2002, 90s. Yeah. yeah. And like House and Garage is kind of like, what you want to say, 90 Chicago house? Yeah. That. And we we loved it. We was in it. You know, like Super D was, was the mixtape I remember. And I was like, yo, I've been listening to this for like, the past three months yeah. I want to do a record like this and they were like what so Will I Am who's been to the UK yeah. understands it pulls out American Boy and it's like I don't know if that's the hit I was like I don't care I like that beat yeah. he was like Bet, come on let's do it to the point where he didn't think it was going to be huge he released it mm. on his own record previously and everyone was tight and I was like it don't matter my record my song's better my song's gonna be better <laughs> my song's better than yeah. the one that he did no one cares we good it'll be fine he'll make his money twice we'll be all right you know what <laughs> I mean? it doesn't matter like i didn't look at it like him trying to sabotage or be you know i was just like eh whatever it's not the beat yeah it's not the song yeah mm. um lovers rock i've been so i'm i, lo I love like your concept the album and i also love that is um you're tapping into that genre because mm. like when i was growing up um 
my this is such a weird connection my neighbor used to babysit me and she was um she was uh from she was from jamaica but then she played like lovers rock um janet k um deborah glass um mm-hmm. she also played um soul to soul mm-hmm. which i didn't know was from london until like years <laughs> later seriously uh, <laughs> what i feel you because carol um carol um carol what was it no karen walker um, karen wheeler my bad oh i should know that karen wheeler patron saint of all the big singers the big voice singers yeah. um british big boy singers she's like she's american so i see why you would think that they were it's it it yeah it blends it uh yeah sold it so i thought that from here but then like um uh janet and deborah like i thought it was just regular reggae but then years later i learned no it's like this is genre. It's genre that when i when i when i got to my teenage year that's when my friend broke it down I was like this is reggae this is dancehall this is soca this yeah. is that so tell me it's just like, about it's like trap uh, uh, drill drill whatever yeah. same thing tell me about growing up in that era in the in the 80s around um love we rock we were around them all like my my dad played in bands and had his own band and mm. then they ended up writing for louisa mark mm. who was one of the goddesses of lovers rock and one of the bigger names on the scene that around that time so they'd be on the road with her they wrote her songs with her and you know she'd be at the house chilling and janet Kay and them and it was just and, you know and i would be like this lady with all the gold on mm. <laughs> fur and stuff you know like and, I'm, and they'd just be like louisa mark sitting like with her auntie her mom mm. and both of them were dripped like super dripped like mm. fur everywhere gold everywhere <laughs> and we just be in our pretty church dresses at the family christening like who was that <laughs> you know um so it was just all around us at all times mm. it wasn't a second thought it was music mm. good music it is what it is my mom never made the differentiation when we were growing up of that's different to that and you should disregard that as different to that mm. with nothing with anything music is music people are people yeah. it is what it is and um you're good or you're bad yeah. you're nice or you're terrible mm. you know and she never really even called people terrible when they were terrible mm. she would try to see the good in them to her detriment sometimes yeah. <laughs> so i have that same perspective with music is good or it's terrible yeah i like it or i hate it i don't care the genre you know and so to me lovers rock was in that space where it was just like oh, all around us all the time i didn't know the difference between that and luther vandross it was mm-hmm. just there you know so it's the basis of which i form all my musical opinions the baseline got a feel mm-hmm. the drums have to feel mm-hmm. and so every record you've heard like when you hear American Boy, that bass line, the way it comes in, mm. I was like, turn that shit up, mm. turn it up. I was in the mix, like, turn it up, <laughs> keep going, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> so every one of my records you see is mixed and sounds a specific way. I'm that anal with it. Mm. I'm that particular with it. I'm that like, nah, 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 I don't feel right. I don't, what? Who, who is dancing to this? If you turn that up in, you know, I want to feel it because mm. I don't ever want to be the artist with the record that comes on in the club and it's like, mm, sounds nice. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hate that shit. Like, oh, I be in there like listening to people's mixes. Like, oh, baby, <laughs> this shit, this is terrible. <laughs> no one sat in on this, did they? It's horrible. <laughs> Who's record is this? I mean, that, but that's that's what keeps that's what makes you like who you are. That's why you've been able to to put out music f- for so long, and people still go to you. 
Um, but when you was Lovers Rock, you have a particular artist that you was like, I love, like, this is, this is someone who I love to listen to? All of them. Like, it, it's like I have playlists on playlists on mm. playlists on playlists. Of, and I stay in it. I have a playlist that's kind of like, when I first moved here, I would have house parties because I wanted to feel at home, yeah. right? And so people knew that they were coming to like a Christmas party or like a New Year's party at yeah. my house, my friends. Yeah. And it was going to be all reggae, it was going to be all dancehall, it was going to be all like African music and some shit they never heard before. Yeah. And it'd be some 80s. And it was a party party. Nice. It wasn't a stand around and talk to each other party or just eat food. It was like, no, the wall had to have a, a jeans gene mark stain. all the <laughs> way around. You feel me? Yeah. Right. It was a jeans stain on the wall all the way around <laughs> that white wall. And they looked at me like, when I moved out, I know they were like, this bitch. <laughs> This bitch. This is a studio apartment in Brooklyn. I know. Yep, yep. It was a whole uh, messy blue black scenario yep. down the middle. It was terrible. Um, but that's that was my vibe, yeah. and that stayed my vibe. You know, yeah. people have come and gone and whatnot, but I know the kind of energy that I appreciate, and that's been my thing. You know, um, yeah. What distinguishes Lovers Rock from like other genres? Like, what what makes it different? Um, Lovers Rock, it was kind of like R&B yeah. mixed with reggae, like straight R&B mixed with reggae. Mm -hmm. So like where Bob Marley and them kind of evolved it with ska music, it was closer to 80s R&B mm -hmm. on a reggae beat. That's what the, I feel like the distinction of Lovers Rock is. And then you got women singing these notes over like straight beats. Mm -hmm. and, and then like maybe the bridge might turn around and and be really lovey-dovey and a bit more musical you mm -hmm. know but then you're listening to a dub record underneath you know and then then you're getting like the chum church chords you know what i mean in the middle of all of that and that's what lovers rock is it's that whole like we're gonna we're gonna give you a baseline of dub proportions we're gonna make it feel like some naya bingy in the in the in the hills shit mm -hmm. and then we're gonna put church chords on it nice you know and that's gonna make it r&b and pretty and beautiful nice. you know? and then this lady's gonna sing in a really high voice <laughs> you're gonna try and it's not gonna happen <laughs> you know? so that's that to me is like the breakdown the easiest breakdown nice yeah. Uh, I love Soka as well, so I'm definitely like, I'm like when I usually because I go to carnivals um, mm -hmm. and most of my friends um, they play Soka music when we like hang mm -hmm. out. So I'm curious, is it going to be like Soka inspirations? <laughs> like there's, energy? Yeah, there's one record on there this, that I have uh, called Angel Bitch. That like I went in there and I I did it with an American producer mm -hmm. who's based in LA and he's like from Seattle or something, mm -hmm. and so it was interesting me teaching him pulling apart reggae, I mean, pulling apart soca records, playing them, sending them playlists, mm. saying, yo, you see the triangle? That's a key part. Mm. You see these steel pans? That's a key part. Find all these sounds. When I come back to hear that beat, put these sounds in there <laughs> somewhere. And then I have to go back and be like, all right, so we're just gonna play this again. <laughs> you know, and then I had like a, right, right to the end, like the, after like the eighth month of me trying to fix this record, trying to produce this record yeah. with him. We had my guy who plays guitar. I had him come in and listen to some Pepe Cale. Like, right, you see the arrangement mm. on this record and you see how he went with the intro and it was like some real outstanding. Come up with something like really outstanding, but quick. You know, like that. Yeah. And, made, and I made him play that as like a reference to the idea to catch the speed, right? Mm. So you see how every single one of these African records have that ill guitar. Mm. It's not Spanish. Not sure what it is. 
but it's just our version of like just being slick and clean you know mm. it's our trademark and i made him do that and he learned it and then he went to play it and i was like you being too spanish now and i was like making it play it in a circle and we cut the best bits and used it so i feel like i made a soca my Cosa record mm. and he looks at me every day like how did what, what the hell <laughs> how did we do don't that? worry it sounds good <laughs> you know you understand it you know learn it from when we do it live you good yeah. <laughs> so but that to me was important because my dad's from Grenada mm -hmm. and um my family like on the island my great my granddad and his brothers used to be one of the best steel pan players you know like they they have local notoriety and they you know they do their thing mm -hmm. so this is kind of part of the course for me mm -hmm. being an artist and doing what I do but to me it was like important to make sure that that record was real mm -hmm. you know what I mean um and and the and the and the the topic angel bitch was kind of my what would I say? This is all based on my parents and their love story. Mm. And I just thought in this instance, what would I say if I was my mum in this scenario to all the people who talk shit to her, about her family, whoever. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, because she was so nice and so humble, so cool to people. I'm not that way. <laughs> when it come down to it, <laughs> I'm ready for the wars. So, so to a point I had to like, like wheel it in, wheel it in a little bit, but also like, this is my chance to say some shit in a in a slightly in a slick way, mm -hmm. you know, but in a way that would have people dancing at the same time, you know. Yeah. Um, the concept of uh, for the album, I really like it. I can't wait to listen to it be, um, because um, I'm reading about it and and the story of your parents, how they were they were together, then they broke up, and then ten years later got back together, and then twenty years, twenty years, yeah. So it was just like I don't know, it's just like a prevalence of love. The idea. Um, what does love, I guess, when you look at love, what does love mean to you? It's freedom now. <laughs> now it's freedom. Realizing after like listening to their story and looking at their story and then realizing that I definitely am not my mom, you know, and I'm everything she wanted me to be, mm. you know, which is not her in this scenario. She wanted me to take the good parts of her, but not the negative parts. And I was working too for too long on the negative parts, mm. doing extremely well working off the negative, you know. So it was kind of our our personal, me and her epiphany. Well, what if you continue the rest of your life working off the good parts? Mm -hmm. And what if you continue the rest of your life imagining some shit from things that you don't know yet because you're a whole different human to me, yeah. you know? I would say she kept telling me, like, go live your life. And I kept being like, what do you mean? I am. I'm <laughs> a big star. I live somewhere else. We, you know, she was like, if you don't go live the person that you're supposed to be and stop doing me, mm. you know, essentially. And... um. It twigged during the making of this album. It twigged mm. like I was like, "Oh shit!" I really was acting like I was. I had six kids by the time I was thirty, and the hell, I don't have none. <laughs> like, these albums are my children. What the fuck? Yeah. You know? So it's definitely a epiphany point making this album. I love to honor what they have and what they brought me here. Yeah. But also, I want to live my life, you know, and it's freedom and it's new. Did you did you play for them? What was the reaction? Yeah, they love it. My nice. dad's favorite record is so easy. My mom just like, I love the whole thing. It's so cool. <laughs> My parents are the best. Like they're hams. They are perfect for each other. They are hype. They're like my biggest fans. And I didn't realize it when I put out the Shine album. Mm -hmm. And this is the part where I was like, I punched myself in the face to have that day, this particular day back. Mm -hmm. So we had a party in the UK, and we had a party party. 
like I tell you, when I have parties, we have parties. So all my squad were there, my whole family were there. Nice. Everybody that had helped and pushed and held me up in the UK was in that party. Nice. And so it was a bashment, right? My favorite DJs were playing all my joints. We didn't care about no pop, nothing. Execs were in there like, oh, this is this is something. <laughs> I was like, yeah, <laughs> we in here. Turn up, rum this, red stripe that. We was in there, right? In a bougie club in the West End. Nice. And I, my whole family, I had them at one table. And my mom and my dad kind of found their way to the table that I was at, dancing on top of the table like, hey, we here. And I was just like, no, go back over <laughs> yeah. there. And now I think about it, I'm just like, I should have pulled them on the table. table. We should have been turned. You know, like, <laughs> I was 27. They could have been with it. They were yeah. like, but at the time, you're thinking, and I, now, knowing them now, mm-hmm. my mom's favorite artist is 2 Chains. My dad likes Lil Wayne. It's, oh, wow. It's that real. Like, yeah. And I just think to myself, I'm so happy, A, that they're together, B, that they're as fun as they are, yeah. and they cool as shit. Like, they just, like, I'm just so, like, happy that I get it now, however late you know, 10 years after the fact, whatever. Yeah. I'm just happy that I get to have them now and in this space and they just, the coolest fucking parents alive. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, one thing in music in general is that the popularity of Afrobeat and also like, I would say, uh, dance hall and um, reggae to extent, um, it's right now. It's just like, it's now everyone's taking the sound. Um, artists now are becoming not just regional stars, but international superstars. It's so fun. And I don't know, I just, I feel like that's the essence of the music. It's just happiness, love, and fun. I try to tell people, this is like, this is culture. That's in the words of one Jamaican friends, I feel we ting. It's ours, you know? I'm just happy that the kids get to wake up every morning and scroll down and it's, it's there. Yeah. It's not hidden. It's not a christening. It's not a regional thing. It's not a borough thing. It's pop yeah per se it's popular mm-hmm. you know like you got these kids out here on chop daily and all these little joints out here like giving me shaku shaku and gr- i'm just like if y'all don't get yeah. the rhythm what's <laughs> happening here but like they kill it like and it makes me so happy to see that everybody's embracing it as like this is life yeah because it's been our lives for how many years i don't have to i never felt the need to go to school and only like Duran Duran or only like whoever's pop or only like Spice Girls. I could like Spice Girls and Dennis Brown. Mm-hmm. I could like Wham and Lady Saw. Mm-hmm. I could like Baby Sham and who, you know what I'm saying? Like, I could like all of that. Now everyone can like all of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it kind of qualifies me. I don't have to explain as much to people when they're like, you like all different genres and you make all different genres. How is that? shit yeah because you listen to all different genres exactly that's how yeah you know it's fun because uh it's just exciting like to go to a party and it's an afrobeat party because i feel like it's, it's just like wait how do you know the song like, when people look at time i saw david o perform if i tell you at the title at the made in america this weekend and last week the other week and i had a whole Oh, right. look at this. Look at this boy. Hey, <laughs> I'm taking it. You're taking it far. You're taking it far. Hey, look at you. I had a whole connection in front of my computer. Like, look at this. It's just a level of pride and just, oh, it's, we're here. It's shocking. And it's beyond what's been done. Yeah. It's it's now, thank God for the internet. Yeah. Thank God for opening cultures. Thank God for the new generation. Yes. Like, I never, sh- I never shit on the new ones. And I'm not even going to call them millennials. I don't. We're apparently I'm a millennial in the age range, whatever. But 
whatever the next generation is called. Shout out to you guys. Because, like, I'm not even saying this on some pandering shit. I mean it on some, like, yo, like, we couldn't do it. Yeah. Y'all did it. You guys were like, nah, nah, nah. I can like One Direction and David O. Yeah. Or I can like Harry Styles and 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 Mr. Easy. Yeah. And it's fine. Cece so good. Oh, <laughs> and Malik Berry, like they're all like, I just get so happy. Yeah. Like that it's standard music, whether you're in the charts or not. This is what I listen to. Mm-hmm. This is my joint. Yeah. Happy, happy, happy. It's good. Yeah. And then I, w- I will also say the mm. UK arguably has right now the best UK's the best R and B scene. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> the best music scene ever. I'll be so proud. There's, there's so much happiness in my soul. You have no idea. It's so much talent. Like every two weeks I see somebody and I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Wait, I am DZ. And like, you gotta think oh, about the amount of people who aren't even the amount of people that we're not even aware of that haven't quite come over yet, mm-hmm. haven't done it yet. And they're just, you know, building up their whatever's, you know, their numbers and whatnot. It's beautiful. It's like a great thing. I get so inspired. Like I get so like, what's the word? I feel propelled. I feel like, okay, do this. Go in and give it your all. Yeah. You know, like, cause it's easier when you've been in the industry for a while to just be like, oh, what do they want from me? Let me just do the bug standard. And then you end up sending 10 years old. Mm-hmm. It's easy for me now to like stay on my instinct, mm-hmm. you know, and, and pay more attention and I should say act on my instinct because the core of me is what I feel. You know, and that core is home, and it's the UK, and it's mm. Africa, and it's the West Indies. So, and I stay listening to all that music, regardless of what I'm supposed to be listening to, based on what people think I am. Mm. You know what I mean? So I stay. Whenever I hear someone put something out, it's kind of like, well, I just did that, and it's, I feel good. I feel good. I feel good. I'm on the right path. Yeah. And I take my tempos from there. You know, as far as like whether I'm on the right, um, in the right wave or trend per se but 90 percent of the time i've already done the record you know i've already performed this record and then or done this record in the studio and then a, a british artist will come out and i'm just like all right i'm still in the same yeah. <laughs> headspace you know yeah. what i mean so it's it's inspiring for me i get excited i boost them up i'm not the hater artist i'm not the i want to get the youth artist <laughs> like i appreciate it do your shit i'm definitely not gonna do that yeah but i'm gonna do me in the same you know in the same way it's all the same yeah because you're definitely like one of the people that helped open up the scene there and then now it's just like every, every couple of weeks and it's so much soul like a lot of soul we respect a lot of good it. songwriting we respect it yeah that's the that's the core black ass bottom line we respect the the we respect the old school mm. so like i said in another interview when you see a british artist come here they really can sing they really could write and and that means a lot mm-hmm. because it's like we there's a level of like nah 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 i'm not going out there and embarrassing my family mm. or the ones who cross over mm. who are respected who are it's never the pop artist per yeah. se it's yeah, always no. like the, the the real deals you know what i'm saying like yeah. or she no she could really sing live yeah you know we all have that thing where you have to learn how to actually do this shit live mm. you know whatever capacity you are, whether you're a church singer or whether you just you the Sade just mm. to give it a widespread, you have to know what you're doing. Mm. There's no blood, there's no four ways on that, especially if you're a black artist yeah. come from the UK. Because you come here and these girls is out here and these guys are out here doing like yeah. giving you church down from like four years old. Mm. This is the originator of black singing, you yeah. know, black music and black singing. 
So to me, it's like we just we we respect it a lot. We practice. It's you know it's a thing for us. Like you have to be great in your talent, and when you cross over, it, all the other stuff is cool, you know. And the ones that don't know how to do it, they don't really last that long. Yeah, you know. You know what? I was just reading this article. Um, it was about colorism, and it was about um, the crossing over ability. Um, it that's one of the reasons colorism affects that mentally because. People view, hey, they may be lighter, so they may be easier to cross over. But that exists. Is that still, uh, still as bad? I think, as- it, I think it exists. I don't know if it's still as bad. I exist, you know. I think there's a few others that are out here living their lives and represent Wu-Tang and being brown-skinned girls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, but I look at it like it exists, but it's not a problem for me mm-hmm. because, and I'll say that, I'll say that in this sense. I don't want anyone to say, like, well, I still got to go through it. Yeah, I fully see it. You know what I'm saying? But the difference is when I was going through it, it, it existed in the same way for me. Mm. I just refused to accept it. Mm. You know, and I told my team, if you accept it, you don't work for me. Mm. We don't, we're not doing this. We're not going to sit here and be told she's qualified. She could do the job. We just don't like her because she's brown. Because mm. then you're just racist. And if you roll with that, we didn't get the fuck out of my team. Mm-hmm. We don't play those games. You know, and it was very, I'm very clear in no uncertain terms. No, no, no. We all have the same ops here. Yeah. You will address me as I present myself. And no other way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, exclude me from a scenario because I'm out here doing all this hood rat shit. I'm out here being <laughs> unprofessional. Don't exclude me because I'm brown. Yeah. That's trash. Yeah. And you're a trash person. Yeah. I'll say that flat out. You know what I mean? Um, so, I, my whole thing has been like, I won't, won't deny it exists, but I will refuse to accept it. Mm. Like, and if you're telling me I can't, I'm going to find four ways around that mm-hmm. and turn up at the other side. Like, hey. See, I did it. I did it, You know, yeah. hi, I'm here. Yeah. You know, waving at you. <laughs> you still thinking I'm at the freaking door. Meanwhile, I can't around and went somewhere the fuck else and I'm in the, I'm in the building. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's been my approach to it. So I refuse to, like, feed the whole colorism argument as if it's been a barrier for me because it hasn't. Mm. That's, that's my personals on it. Mm. Like, you know, someone said to me a while ago, it's only a block if you acknowledge it. Mm. If it doesn't exist to you, then it's not there. I was just like, and that was with a few other things. Mm. I was like, how can I translate that into my whole life? Because <laughs> it's not just colorism for me. It's so many things. Yeah. As a woman, yeah. Yeah, I've been told. And yet here I am. As a, as, a, as a grown up, as an adult who doesn't look like she's 38, I've been told. Mm. You look too young and this is not, and this isn't just music. This is acting. This is TV. This is walking into rooms with executives. This is, I wrote whole hits and I was told it was written by a whole other man. So stop lying. Jesus and then Christ. I get the man on the phone and he's like, she wrote that. And then they still tell you you're lying. You know, like, and this is to my face. This is crazy. I'm like this, What? The fuck planets are we living on? Like this is this is like these are things that have happened, and so to me it's like I I can't dwell on those things because here I am. Yeah, I found a way around it. I dipped the situation. I said, "Bet you don't believe in me? Cool, I'm gonna go where they do." Mm. You know, and you have to take that approach. You can't sit there and let one person's version of what life's supposed to be like Mm -hmm. tell you or keep you in that space. I refuse. Mm. I wouldn't be here if I did. Yeah. So yeah. I'm a huge Steven Universe fan. Yay! Oh my God! I, I think how do I fall <laughs> into it? That's an example. Yeah, that's I need to hear the example. story. How'd you get a part of that project? That one that show is amazing. That <laughs> show is you. so well written. So proud to be a part. 
I have nothing to do with writing that show. <laughs> I just turn up in my PJs and say the words in three different takes yeah. and try and make as many sounds as I can. It's great. No, it really is a blessing. Um, that's an example. I pestered my team one day. I got in my spirit one day that I should do a cartoon. Yeah. I was like, if everyone tells me my voice is good for voiceovers, I should do more voiceover work. Like, you know, they were like, yeah, MC Light does a lot of voiceover work. You should do I was like, yeah. And then I was like, hmm. They keep telling me no one voiceovers. How can I do this? Mm. I want to do a cartoon. Mm. And I pestered my team. They didn't understand what they were like. Can we just focus on this album, get this tour? I said, get me a cartoon. Mm. I have it. I know. I know it. I know it. I'm supposed to be on a cartoon. Part of it was me being like, look, my nieces and nephews are being born. And I really want a cartoon. So they recognize auntie's voice because mm. I'm... Not not trying to be not part of the family, fam. Mm. Like, real life. <laughs> that was literally my one part of my reasoning. Like, nah, I need them to hear me. It's some bullshit. Like, I'm not there every day. Mm. I feel left out. <laughs> my family's huge. Um, and so, literally, that was part of it. And so, they called one day. Said, this is cartoon. It may or may not go somewhere. You want to try out? It's like, absolutely. What is it? I said, yes, before I ever knew. Mm -hmm. And then I got to read. And I was like, oh, that's not hard. I can read. I can definitely play, like, the den mother to... I have experience with that. Mm. I know what that sounds like. I know what that feels like. So I can emote that. Yeah. A lot of um, voice work is emoting. Yeah. Just how would you feel in a scenario? Get it in your space and then say it, right? And so by the time we did it and it took off and it's been taken off and it's become cult status, I'm just happy to play this role, this particular role of Garnet. Yeah. To me, I said to Rebecca, and I say this because she's she's the she's the baddest. Rebecca's the dopest. Yeah. Like she's an empath. She's pretty freaking brilliant. She's damn near psychic for all of us, you know. And she doesn't the things that they write. You couldn't you couldn't. It's so potent, and that you couldn't tell that. For instance, one of the one of the songs, "Mindful Education" in "Mindful Education," take a moment. Mm. I was literally going through stuff when it was like, yo, everything is just so on top right now. I don't know what to do with myself. And then I get in the session the next day and I have to sing that song. Mm -hmm. And so I take a moment to think about, think of just flexibility, love and trust, and just here comes the thought. Relax, 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 right? And I had to sing that song and I was damn near crying the entire time, trying to hold myself together like, <laughs> you know, like trying to do the, the session. And it was just like she... Um, she has a way of just punching through all the wordiness and the silliness of cartoons to kind of get to what you need to, for that moment. Mm -hmm. And then again, as actors, as voice actors, you got to emote. So we're sitting and I'm singing with all the truth in my soul, trying not to cry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, we're in a room with a whole other singer and she's looking at me like, this bitch about to ball. <laughs> it's like, it's okay, it's okay. No, what will take? Yeah. <laughs> you know. And, and then another one of our, the actors, she was going through something on a personal level with reconnecting with her birth family. And the episode she happened to be recording that week was about Amethyst, one of the pearls, one of the gems, finding, finding where she's, where she's from. Yeah. And she didn't know, Rebecca didn't know that this is what was happening in her wow. personal life. It, stuff like that that happens that we're all here like, who are you? <laughs> Do you have cameras in our houses? What's going on here? You yeah. know? Um, so from the back end, we're all just very grateful and I'm just honored to play that role. And then to play that role f as a, as a, essentially a black <laughs> superhero. Pretty much. I saw the character, I was yeah. like, oh, she's definitely black. Absolutely, with no doubts. Um, they're, not, they're not people and they're not like race or colors, but we relate because we're humans. We yeah. relate to what we want. 
And I said to Rebecca, like, you understand the amount of young black nerds per se. I hate calling them nerds because I just think that's like slightly derogative, yeah. derogatory, I should say. Um, but young black animation fans that you have brought into this space that feel comfortable being themselves in this space now. Mm. Like, you know the amount of young black kids that walk up in cosplay where like you paint your face to do what? To mm. walk out house to go where? Before. Yeah. You know, or you were like, you white, what the, what in the white boy is you doing? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now it's like, now it's, it's dope. And then like to, like this week even, I was in Toronto and you saw, you saw a little white girl dressed up as Shuri. You know, it's completely shattered all of the energy around what you're supposed to do, who you're supposed to be, where you're supposed to put yourself, how you're supposed to relate, just be. Mm -hmm. And that's helping the new generation, the new babies, just be okay with themselves mm. and try some shit, <laughs> you know, and be all right with it. Like, I think everyone should be in that space. Like, it's, it's too burdensome to live any other way, mm. you know? Did you know it was going to be like, uh, have music components for the show? A little bit. I figured they'd have me singing because I sing. So, yeah. <laughs> and Rebecca's <laughs> a fan of my music. She actually made the character Garnet based on freak the video for freak i did oh snap yeah she was like i was watching that video over and over again and you see how your hair is and i was like oh shit i didn't even and she told me this later she's like yeah i, I love that video i was like oh well dad thank you <laughs> so i remember dreaming that shit up one day telling my telling the director i just want it to be like a lady and she's teaching the kids and she looks like one of them old school moms and she has her hair and it's very severe and i was really you know i said but she's like a freak so like she's a bit dominatrixy <laughs> <laughs> this is my whole little morbid mind trying to just do the exact opposite to american boy <laughs> doing this whole nasty sex thing that is not nasty but you know what i'm saying yeah. like we're freak is this song about fucking it's a song about fucking yeah um so you know and so she was just liked the visual and the idea behind it and it was a whole outer space darkness video and people were kind of like still you have black paint on your face and oh my god she's out of space and what is she trying to be she's not that and i was like you have one video on me bro mm -hmm. you don't know who the fuck i am <laughs> exactly. relax you're gonna chill out and catch all these faces you know what i mean you're gonna yeah. relax and catch all of this so it's been a it's been a journey but i'm happy to i'm happy to i'm happy to play her nice um, are you thinking about continuing, I guess, doing voiceover work and or acting? Absolutely. I've been auditioning like crazy. Oh, nice. I've been in a couple films, a couple TV shows. Nice. I was in the last the film I was in was Girls Trip, which is yeah, just yeah. amazing. I got in a headlock with Tiffany Haddish. They had me play myself, which was fun. Yeah. It took a whole hour to film because we, she, they were like, yo, she's strangling you. Don't laugh. And I'm like, but she's saying shit to me too. <laughs> and I'm here dying laughing because like you could not be beating some like Loki beating someone up to get a picture and yeah. be like hey bitch like and she was saying all these other things to oh me like um, I'm I was I'm from Compton England like she was like trying to skip with me like Lucky Charms I was like what are you what are we doing here like stop <laughs> she's so funny and she's so cool yeah. you know I thought I like Tiffany um so like those are little things I've done and there's many other roles and little bits I've been a part of. So I'm just, we're, we're walking into Hollywood too. You mm -hmm. know, we've been there for a minute and it's, it is as hard as music. Mm -hmm. So you don't just kind of get shit thrown at you. Yeah. You know, you have to audition and audition and audition. Then they have to like you and you audition some more, <laughs> you know, 
it's work. Nice. And then uh, the last thing we do for um for episodes is that if you have any advice to younger artists, who um, what would you give them? If I had any advice for younger artists, I would say, um, love what you're doing. This isn't never going to be about the money. Um, it's never going to be about the money. The money comes, and then all of a sudden it's really nice. But it's never going to be about the money. After a certain point, it gets old. All the Gucci in the world gets old. All the Fendi in the world gets old. And then you're like, well, what's my legacy? What am I here for? You know? Um, and the other thing is practice. I don't care how old you get. I don't care how popping you get. Practice. Be open. Learn some new shit. The biggest example for me was watching Karen Clark Sheard, who's like 60, close to 60 at this point. 50s, close to 60. He's my idol. Mm. I've listened to her as long as I've been alive. Practicing to Aretha Franklin. Mm. Bruh. Like, if I ever thought I was too popping to sit in a room and do some scales, I needed to sit my butt down tomorrow and just not do music. Mm. Like, this is like the patron saint of all singers. Singing, practicing in a car on the way to wherever, to the patron saint of all singer singers. Mm. There's no excuse. I don't care what genre you're in, practice. Mm. I don't care what you think you do, practice. Do something, you know? That's my thing. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was a really good conversation. Thank you. (laughs) It's worthy. (laughs) And that's today's episode of Soundtrack. And definitely check out Estelle's fantastic album, Lover's Rock, which is out now. You can listen to more episodes of Soundtrack and keep up with everything Hypebeast Radio at hypebeast.com slash radio. Subscribe to Soundtrack on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Overcast, or wherever you listen to podcasts on. Feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at ECM underscore LP and follow Hypebeast Music for more original content and music news. Let us know who you like to have on the show and thank you for listening to Soundcheck.